All right, Acts chapter number two, Acts chapter number two, and uh, we're going we're gonna to finish tonight. We're going to finish the obligations of the church. And Acts chapter number two, once again, we've looked here several times already, um, but looking at the early church and what took place right after the day of Pentecost, once uh, 3,000 people were added to the 120 that were already there, uh, things were a little different uh, right after that. And uh, what the early church focused on really gives us a good pattern for what we should be focused on in our day and age. Yes, even in 2023, still good uh, things for us to focus on. And, and sadly, the church has gotten away from some of these things, and, and we need to stay with these things. Uh, and here at Cornerstone Baptist Church, by God's grace, uh, I desire um, and want to uh, have our church fit these uh, obligations and meet these obligations. So Acts chapter number 2, verse number 41, the Bible says, And they that gladly received His word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved." And we've already looked at several of these, and uh, I'll just want to briefly mention them, and then we'll get into the last three tonight uh, so that we can indeed finish. But uh, we've looked at several of these obligations, and th the first one we saw was that they had a receptive heart to the Word of God. <coughs> Excuse me. They had a receptive heart to the Word of God. The Bible says in verse 41, "...then they that gladly received His Word." And uh, they were willing to not only receive the word, but gladly do so. And uh, here at Cornerstone Baptist Church, obviously, we want to receive the word of God, and we want to do so gladly, and not just view the word of God as a buffet where we pick what we want and leave what we don't, that we are willing to gladly receive every part of the word of God for us. So they, first of all, had a receptive heart to the word of God, and, and that's certainly an obligation of the church as well today. And then they also, number two, had a willingness to obey God. Verse number 41, again, then they that gladly received His word were baptized. So uh, what af after they received the word of God, they didn't just say, well, that's nice, and then go on their merry way. They responded to the word of God out of obedience. And that's how I want and I believe God desires our church to be, is not just, well, that's nice. I'm glad that that's what the Bible says, and then go our way forgetting what manner of man we were. Uh, but to instead be doers of the word, not just hearers only. And the willingness to obey God was a mark of the early church, and may the Lord help it to be a mark of our church as well. We're willing to, when God speaks to us through His word, we're willing to not just fight it and not, not try to justify it away or reason it away, but that we would just simply obey it. We would simply go do it. So there was a willingness to obey God. Thirdly, there was a commitment to doctrine. And verse number 42 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. 
Doctrine wasn't just a, uh, well, maybe if we get around to it, they continued steadfastly. It was a major priority to them to study the Word of God, to know what God's Word says about different, uh, different parts of life and uh, theology and, and all the rest. So what we're doing in this series on Wednesday nights is we're trying to focus on doctrine and continue steadfastly in doctrine. So they were committed to doctrine, and the reason for it is because what you believe determines how you behave. All right? And then number four, there was a focus on fellowship. In verse number 42, it says, They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread. And uh, then in, in verse number 46, they also um, did eat their meat. So we, we, we talked about fellowship and eating go hand in hand. And so we try to, we try to have fellowship opportunities here at Cornerstone where there's food, um, there's fellowship. And uh, we, we have done several different things like that with the fa- fast food fellowship Sunday night, with the uh, fellowship meal every, whenever there's a fifth Sunday in the month. And then uh, coming up later this month, there's a FMW, a Fellowship Meal Wednesday. So just several opportunities for us to gather around and break bread together. Um, and, and I know that maybe this is talking about taking communion, and, and, and that's part of it as well. But, um, but, but seriously, just eating, um, uh, eating together and, and enjoying some tacos or some Freddy's or some Brahms, um, and in just getting together and enjoying that time, that's necessary. And especially as our church has been growing as of late, we're thankful for the growth, but we need to continue on with the fellowship so that we can remain united. And, and that um, is one of the other points here. But number five here is priority on prayer. There was a real priority in the early church on prayer. Verse 42, they continued steadfastly. The apostles' doctrine, fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Prayer was a major priority from the very beginning of the book of Acts all the way through the book of Acts. The early church focused on beseeching the Lord individually and corporately, and uh, God did some mighty things through their prayer life. And uh, we need to be a church that doesn't just know about prayer, doesn't just talk about prayer, but that actually Praise. So there was a priority on prayer. Then there was uh, number six, an understanding of unity. There was an understanding of unity. In verse 44, it says, And all that believed were together and had all things common. And then verse 46, they continued daily with one accord in the temple. And, uh, and then the last part of the verse says, And singleness of heart. So there was uh, the same mind and the same spirit. There, they, were, they were together in one accord in the temple. They were they um, just were striving together for the faith of the gospel, and, and I want and desire that our church would be a church that is uh, greatly united. Number seven, they had generosity. Verse number 45, they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And there was just a spirit of, hey, you know what? These things are all temporary. I want to. I want to take my belongings and and be willing to use them for the Lord's sake. And and again, not not to say that we need to go and uh, give everything to the uh, teen garage sale because that would uh, overwhelm us probably with all of your stuff and all of my stuff. Um, I wouldn't mind giving out away quite a bit of uh, the kids' stuff, but not any of my stuff. Uh, <clears throat> but. Anyway, the, 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 the idea is not to give everything, you know, that, that's not, but, but to hold everything with an open hand rather than a closed hand. 
to remember that it all belongs to God anyway. And, and uh, when we hold it with a closed hand, um, you try to put something in that hand and it's not going in there. But when you hold it with an open hand, it allows God to put something in there. Even if he takes something away, it, 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 God says, okay, well, I, I can put something else in that hand. So that, you know, again, the idea is that we're, we're blessed to bless. We're blessed to be a blessing, not just so that we can go, oh, cool, I'm going to hoard all of these blessings for myself, but that we could use them for the Lord's sake and to bless other brothers and sisters in the Lord. And there's several verses that talk about that. We've been looking at in the book of James, uh, those who say uh, to see a brother that has need and, and you have the ability to help and you go, uh, you know what, be warmed and filled, have a great day, God bless you. That doesn't exactly help, but uh, when, when you have the ability to be a blessing, do so, especially to those who are of the household of faith. And then number, uh, number eight, they had gladness. They had gladness. In verse number, um, it says, verse number 46, they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. And again, we said, no wonder they were glad they were eating meat. Praise the Lord. Uh, we had, we went and had barbecue last, last night. That's one thing that Luke missed when he was in Croatia. And we said, okay, so Tuesday, uh, you know, you, you get to pick the meals. So he picked uh, monkey bread for breakfast. And then uh, for dinner last night, he wanted barbecue. So we went and had barbecue and, and we were eating meat. And you know what? We were glad because we were eating meat. <laughs> okay. And if you're a vegan, you're a vegetarian, this verse is for you. Okay. <laughs> they did eat their meat with gladness. It didn't say they eat their vegetables with gladness. No one eats vegetables with gladness. At least I don't, okay? And if you do, you need to make verse 46 a memory verse and let the Lord work in your heart. But the, the idea wasn't just that meat caused gladness. It was they were glad, most of all, I'm sure, because of the change that God had made in their life. And uh, we talked about not having spiritual amnesia and forgetting what God has done in our life. And so that's what we talked about thus far. Let's get into this new material. And I just have a few minutes to get through this. But number nine, uh, praise to God. They gave praise to God. In verse number 47, it just simply says, praising God. This church was a praising church. And we've been talking a little bit about that on Sunday nights in our Music Matters series the importance of singing, the importance of giving praise to God. It's not really an option for the child of God that, that we would praise the Lord. It's something that we're supposed to be doing. In Luke chapter 24, uh, and here's uh, some of the things that, that, that happened here of, um, of the early church, of the early disciples, even before Acts chapter number 2. It says, And he led them out as far as to Bethany, this is Jesus, after his resurrection, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried into heaven. This is the ascension of Jesus Christ. And then the next verse says, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. That's how the book of James or, or Luke ends, is with this church, these, these early disciples that were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. See, what happened was gladness and contentment led these believers to give praise to God for the many spiritual blessings in their lives. They weren't just, they weren't just glad about it, but they expressed that gratitude to God in praise. They were thankful and gave praise to God for the change that took place in their life. 
Remember that praise is a sacrifice that pleases God. If you hold your place here in Acts chapter 2 and go to Hebrews chapter number 13 very quickly. Hebrews chapter 13 and uh, in verse number 15. Here the writer of Hebrews says, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of, what's the next word? Praise to God. And then what's the next word after that? Continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So when we do what the early church, and we can flip back to Acts chapter 2, when we do what the early church did and praising God and, and going around just having this, um, you know, this gratitude attitude and the spirit of praise, when we do that, God is well pleased. That's what he said. Those sacrifices of giving praise to God continually through, the, through, through giving thanks by, by our lips, God is well pleased with that. So how is not just your prayer life, but how is your praise life? Do you go around thanking God for everything? And I've shared recently, uh, I think, uh, about... Seth, when he was uh, a little one praying and, and thanking God for everything while we're praying for the food that's hot and I'm hungry and wanting to eat, and he has his eyes open and he's thanking God for everything his eyes see, and I'm kind of like, okay, wrap this up. Amen. <laughs> but he's, he's looking, he's thanking God for the napkins, and by the way, I do thank God for napkins. I am thankful for napkins. He's thanking God for the silverware, for the plate, for the food. For, and, he, and he's looking in the living room, and he sees a soccer ball in the living room. Thank you, God, for the soccer ball. And I'm like, okay, wrap this up. I want to eat my food. But then as I was thinking about that, I was like, wouldn't, wouldn't it be kind of neat if, if one day I did that like Seth did throughout my whole day? As I'm driving, as I'm getting ready, I'm like, Lord, thank you for this bathroom that, I, that, that you've provided for me, a, a home that I get to, to be in. And, and, and throughout the day, just everything that your eyes see that, that you get to be part of and that, that, that God has blessed you, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a, a neat way to spend a day? Why not? Why, why don't we do that? Um, well, it's because sometimes we go through difficult times. Well, even through the difficult times, we can still have a spirit of praise. John Wesley, in his journal entry on April 21st, 1764, said this, I visited one who was ill in bed, and get this, and after having buried seven of her family members in six months' time, so seven of her family members died in six months, had just heard that the eighth, her beloved husband, was now cast at sea, cast away at sea. And here John Wesley asked her, Do not you fret at any of those things? And she said with a lovely smile, which, you know, how could someone smile when things like that are going on in your life? She said with a lovely smile upon her pale cheek, Oh, no. How can I fret at anything which is the will of God? She said, let him take all besides. He has given me himself. I love him and I praise him every moment. Now, that's mature Christianity. That's mature spiritual thinking right there. See, the natural uh, person that we all, the, the natural flesh says, 
I'm panicking, and, and man, it's been so difficult. I mean, woe is me. I've lost six already or seven already, and now my husband's cast away at sea and, 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 and panic. And, and look, I'm not judging anybody for that. But here's a lady who had her eyes on the Lord and really understood that he was in control, and she said, I love him, and I praise him every moment. And we do that. In Psalm 111, let's just uh, do a quick field trip over here real quick, and then we'll move on to the next one. But I, I want to show you this particular psalm because it's a, it's a psalm that encourages us to praise the Lord and gives us some good reasons to praise the Lord. When, when you say, man, things at work are super crazy and stressful, things at home are kind of chaotic, and, and the bills are piling up, and there's the bank accounts drying up, and... I'm just struggling. My health is not great. Things aren't going well. My team isn't even winning games. Uh, what, what, you know, the, the list of burdens could, could be really high. Here's some reasons to praise the Lord. Psalm 111 starts with, Praise ye the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright, in the congregation. Here's why we can praise the Lord. Because of his works, verse 2, the works of the Lord are great, sought out of all them that have pleasure therein. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endureth forever. His, he hath made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. That's God's character. Because of who God is, because he's gracious, and he's full of compassion toward us. And by the way, he never changes. Your circumstances will ebb and flow, but God's character does not. He remains the same. That's enough to praise him. Uh, let's see, verse number five talks about God's provision. He hath given meat. By the way, not, notice again, not vegetables. Okay. He hath given meat unto them that fear him. He will ever be mindful of his covenant. He hath given, so he provides for us. Um, okay, he's also given us his word in verse number seven. The works of his hand are verity and judgment. All his commandments are sure. They stand for fast forever and ever and are done in truth and uprightness. And then God's redemption. Verse number nine, he sent redemption unto his people. Can I get an amen on that one? He sent Jesus to be our sacrifice. And, and, I, and I know he was talking about probably the redemption from, is, from, from Egypt, but, but it was also pointing to the fact that we would be redeemed by the blood of Christ. And, and we have a greater redemption to, to, to praise the Lord about. And then uh, verse number nine, he also mentions his name. Holy and reverend is his name. So, you know, hey, things are kind of falling apart in my life and everything's just chaotic and everything, nothing's going right. Well, go to Psalm 111 and be reminded of some things that you can indeed praise the Lord for. By the way, we're also called to praise the Lord and thank God in everything and for everything. As we grow in Christ, we get to that point where we're like, Lord, thank you even for the trials. Lord, thank you for this. And we're to count it all joy. Remember James said that? All the trials and tribulations that come our way, we're to count those things for joy. It's not always easy, but the early church, what they did, they focused on in Acts chapter 2, was praising God. And while it was exciting to be part of this growing assembly and, and their lives had radically changed, probably not all for the good. 
I mean, yes, their eternal address was changed from heaven to hell, but, but you think about some of them lost their jobs and, and maybe even uh, their families said, we don't want to have anything to do with you if you're following Jesus of Nazareth. And so perhaps they, they, their decision to get baptized, and as Brother Shane talked about with those in, in these, uh, the 1040 window who get baptized, there's a real, there's a real cost to it. And for these people, it was probably difficult and uh, not an easy road for them to now be on, but, uh, but they were willing to praise the Lord in spite of all of that. So, may the Lord help us as a church to continue praising God when things are going well, when the air conditioning is working, and when it's not, or for some people, when it's working too good. Because <laughs> I know there's some who uh, believe that it works too good. Okay, we praise the Lord when things are going well in the church, when the attendance is up, or when it's just a handful of us. We praise the Lord no matter what is going on in our individual lives as well. So praising God. Number 10. Let me, uh, boy, I'm not going to have time to get through all these, but I'm going to finish tonight. So uh, let, me, let, let me get these, these, num- these last two here quickly. Number, number 10, they had a godly testimony. Verse 47 says, praising God, and then notice this phrase, and having favor with all the people. Having favor with all the people. See, the early church had a godly, they had a good testimony in their community, and as a result, they had favor with all the people. Now, can I ask the question, um, and this would be an interesting question to Ask those who do not attend our church, but who know about our church, or at least who know us, who attend our church, what do people think of when they hear the name Cornerstone Baptist Church? Now, ultimately, um, our church name in our community is important, but what's most important is the name of Jesus Christ in our community. But let's ask the question, what do people uh, think of when they hear the name Cornerstone Baptist Church? And I'd like to just say this, that each and every one of us is responsible for how our community perceives our church and ultimately perceives God. This is a heavy responsibility, brothers and sisters. It's not just, hey, I'm just going to go my way and live my life however I want when I come to church on Sunday. It it, it's, it's more than that, because my life reflects what Jesus, reflects Christ, and it also does reflect our church. Um, our lives outside of these walls determine our public testimony. And for the early church, they had a godly testimony. The Bible says they had favor with all the people. Now, we know that there was opposition coming In chapter 3 and 4 and beyond, there was just all kinds of opposition to the gospel. But it wasn't because they were living in sin. It was because they were preaching Christ. That was why they got, that's why there was opposition. Um, May that be the case for us as well. A couple references for us tonight. 1 Peter 2. Verse 11 and 12, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. And then it says, having your conversation or your lifestyle, your manner of life, 
honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Reminds us of the words of Jesus when he said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So Peter's saying, you better have your conversation. You better live honestly among the Gentiles. And, and, and not just say, hey, it's just my life and you know, my neighbors can like it or lump it. I'm going to do whatever I want. It doesn't really matter what they think anyway. They're a bunch of unsaved people. Oh, that's the wrong spirit. See, we ought to say, man, I know that they're watching me as a Christian. They see me go to church. They see me get my family in my vehicle and take, me, take them to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Hopefully they see us all do that. Right? And then they know that we're part of a church as the conversations come and, and, and they're watching our lives and it does matter what they think. Now, now I realize we, our main, I, main purpose in life is to please the Lord and not just try to appease everybody around us, but, but, but it does matter. Our, our, our lives, our testimonies do matter. Philippians 2 mentions this as well in verse number 15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, that neither labored in vain. Look, we're to be uh, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. And as time goes on, it's becoming more of a perverse and crooked nation. And uh, it almost sounds like he's talking about America here. He, he wasn't, but, uh, but, but I am. <laughs> and, and, and as, as the, the moral uh, compass goes completely bonkers here in our country... Uh, may, may the Lord help us as God's people to be blameless, harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, and uh, so that we can shine as lights in this world. Well, we don't want to be like the darkness. That's not going to help people find their way in the darkness. We need to be the light so that they can find the way to the light. And in order to be the light, you have to be different than the dark. That's really profound. You're like, I'm really glad I came to church tonight and heard that you, light is supposed to be different than dark. Like we knew that when we were three. But sometimes Christians forget that and uh, they think that, hey, as long as I'm just like everybody else, then they're going to want what I have. Well, no, you're blending in with them. We're, we're, we're to shine as lights in this dark world. 1 Thessalonians 4.12 says that you may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that you may have lack of nothing. One more reference, and then we'll move on to the last one here. And this one I'm going to ask you to turn to, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is an extremely convicting verse. And, and Paul was in the middle of... Um, talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, hits on something here. He hits on our public testimony. And he says in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse number 33, he says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. So don't, don't think that you can be around those who... Um, have evil communication, and it's not going to corrupt you. It's going to. Nearness is likeness. But then he says in verse number 34, Awake to righteousness, and sin not. 
Why? Because some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. So Paul pulls, you know, he, he lets it fly here. He's like, would you wake up to doing what's right and stop living in sin? Because here's the problem. You're living in sin, and, and, and there are people outside of this church who, who don't know Christ, and, and they're watching your life, and they see you just indulge in sin, and it's a terrible testimony, and it's not causing them to want to come to Christ. He's like, shame on you. And to those of us at Cornerstone Baptist Church, if we think we can just continue living in our sin and coming to church and putting on a show, shame on you. Shame on us if that's what we think we can do. Because our testimony matters. Our outside testimony absolutely matters. Well, it's just my life, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and it doesn't matter what people think. To a point I agree, but again... To another point, I would disagree because it does matter. Paul says, shame on you. If you think you can just continue living in sin and uh, living a terrible testimony. The early church, they had a great testimony and they, uh, people wanted what they had because they were different. Christ had made them different. And they were willing to be new creatures. And, and uh, people were kind of like, wow, what's going on with them? So, that a godly testimony. Do you have a godly? Do, does our church have a godly testimony? If it's gonna, if we're gonna have a godly testimony, it's gonna be because each and every one of us individually decides we're gonna have a godly testimony in the community, at work, in our neighborhoods, out and about in the community, that we're going to live a righteous life, not to try to please everybody and do it as a show, but when we're doing it for the Lord. It's going gonna, it's gonna to naturally happen, and, and God's going to use it to cause us to also have favor with all the people. One last thought, and it's not in actually uh, uh, Acts chapter number 2. It's really throughout the book of Acts from here on out. And that is the, the 11th uh, obligation is to preach the gospel. From chapter 3 on, this church family decided that they were going to get the gospel out into the community and the book of Acts is really the, the rest of the book of Acts really gives the narration of what takes, place, what takes place as they get serious about getting the gospel out. So Peter gets the, gets to the, gets the gospel out. Um, then we have uh, Philip. We have Stephen. We have all these men preaching the gospel. Peter preaching the gospel to Cornelius in Acts chapter number 11. He was the first Gentile to get saved and and, and the Jewish congregation had a, were, were up in arms about this. What do you mean a Gentile got saved? And, and, and he said, look, I'm telling you, the gospel is now going to the Gentiles. And then, the, and then, and then guess what happens? The, uh, the apostle Paul gets saved, or Saul of Tarsus gets saved in Acts chapter number 9. And then he goes and, and he bears the name of Christ to the Gentiles and to kings and to suffer for the Lord's sake. And really, the whole book of Acts is about these men taking the gospel to the known world at that time. They, got fo they focused on preaching the gospel. May the Lord help us remember all the things that we've talked about, but then also to preach the gospel. It was an obligation that they felt compelled to do, and you and I need to feel compelled to get the gospel out to a lost and dying world. It's like... It's like if you have been given the cure to 
the worst cancer in the whole world, and you've been given this cure, and you were given this cure, and, and the doctor told you, okay, you have this cure, and guess what? This cancer, or th th this cure is enough to cure everybody who has this cancer. And guess what? Everybody does have this cancer. It's called the cancer of sin, and it's terminal. And we've all been given the cure, and it's the only cure there is, and that's the blood of Christ, and the blood of Christ is sufficient to forgive me of all my sin and cure me of all my disease uh, of sin, but it's sufficient also to cure everybody of their sin. But how selfish am I if I'm going, well, I got cured, and so now I'm just going to go watch The Price is Right and reruns of game shows for the rest of my life. Well, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, so what does it matter? No, no, no. You not only have been given a gift, you've been given a responsibility to share that cure with everybody else. And see, we're, that, that's what the, uh, the early church realized. And so they were willing to go and, and get the gospel, get the gospel out. And they did. And they uh, got the gospel and turned the world upside down and filled Jerusalem with the doctrine and all these things that they were able to accomplish. May the Lord help us to get the gospel into our area and to fill more with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be great if, if, if the mayor came to me, Glenn Lewis, and said, Hey, Eric, I appreciate what you guys are doing, but man, you guys keep getting the gospel out into our community. I think you kind of did it. You can kind of like stop. Um, now, we would say kindly, thank you for the compliment, but uh, we're going to keep doing it. Um, but wouldn't that be great if we were able to get that accomplished? I think, I think we can. The Lord used just a few to accomplish much in the book of Acts, and may the Lord help us to follow these obligations, and I hope that you won't just um, uh, let, let, let these thoughts go in one ear, not the other, but that we'll now be good doers of the word. Let's pray together, and we'll look at some prayer requests tonight. Lord, thank you for... Uh, the opportunity to look at some obligations of the church as we consider the first church, the early church, and what they focused on, what their obligations were. God, as we look at them, we, we see a pattern that we should follow. God, help us to do so. Help us, Lord, to preach the gospel. Help us to be praising you <coughs> in the good times and in the bad, uh, knowing that, Lord, we're not praising you because of the circumstances, but in spite of the circumstances, because, Lord, you never change. And, Lord, help us to also, um, Lord, be, be faithful to get the gospel out into our community and help us also to have a godly testimony individually and as a church in our community to do what's right, to pay our bills, but more than that, Lord, to live a, light that, a life that is um, shining brightly for your glory so that not we would receive the glory, but that you would receive glory. And uh, Lord, that's our desire. And uh, we'll thank you for all that takes place in and through our church. In Jesus' name, amen.